welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to the Women Entrepreneurs Extraordinaire Podcast. This is Julie Anderson, your host for the show, and I'm so excited to be here today. I'm feeling a little down over the last couple of days physically. I did a lot of traveling. We had some health issues in the family um, with my mom, and so it's kind of been a stressful week and was down yesterday, and I am just so glad to be back pumped and with everyone today. And to doing this podcast, putting this podcast out, I love doing my podcast, and I love it when I have amazing guests like I have today on the program. But before I get to my guest, I want to remind everyone to stay on till the end of the program. That's always so important. You know that, because that is when you are going to hear the uh, all of the ways that you can connect with us as a group, the Women Entrepreneurs Extraordinaire, as well as ways that you can connect with my guest today. They are always, I always try to bring you wonderful, interesting guests or guests that have wonderful stories to share. And our guest today is actually going to be our speaker on February, let me see here, let me verify the date, February 4th in the Roseville, California area. So if you are here in the area near us, it would be great for you to come join us. I'll tell you a little bit more of that about that again at the end of the program. So hang on, stay tuned to the very end of the program, and that's when we give you all that juicy way to connect with myself, with the group, and with our guests a little bit more. So with that being said, let me introduce to you our guest today. Our guest today is Nafshim Luhar, sorry, and she is just an amazing female entrepreneur. Not only does she have wisdom to share but and have built her own business, a very creative, a very, very creative business. I want you to check out her website and I'll tell you what that is in a little bit. But she has a wonderful backstory that led her to where she is at now. Uh, she has been through when she, when we connected with her and my assistant Kelly has done a lot of interaction with her and she, she told her kind of where she's been at in her life and what brought her to the place that she's at today. And she's been through a multitude of traumatic experiences in her life. And many had left her broken beyond repair. And she always questioned herself, why? Why me, right? How many of you in there in the audience listening have heard that same thing or thought that same thing? Why me? Why am I going through this? She says that she went through most of her life thinking that. Why is all this happening to me? Until one day she realized that she was going through was for a bigger good and that she was meant to endure all of the suffering because she was chosen to do something more. Her experiences were to ma- there to make her into the version of herself that she never imagined. She was always very raised very protected and reserved and very enabled, and her experiences would teach her to break out of that mold and morph into something that would break stereotypes, and that would help women freely speak about their nor- about things that they normally would shove under the rug. And she and now she's into this vessel that will help people heal through her pain and teach them to become their own inspiration. So instead of asking now, instead of asking why me, she starts started to see past her trauma and pain to come as the best gift that life could ever give her and she would teach others to do the same. So she uses her skills in art and photography to help people heal, transform, celebrate, and love their pain. So I want everyone to pay close attention as we talk with Nashim 
Nefshim Luhar. Nefshim, thank you to thank you for being a guest on the show today. Absolutely. I'm so grateful and excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it is my pleasure. I always love interviewing women entrepreneurs and kind of finding out what what their stories are and what led them to become what they are, but it's always so much in, more empowering when I get to interview someone who has overcome something major to become what they are today. So let me just kind of start out with that. Give us a little bit of your of your backstory and what what led you. So you are in art and photography, and I I want everybody. We're going to have posted on the show page as well as we'll kind of direct people there at the end of the program today where her website is, where you can view her photography and her art. Uh, but what led you, what is some of this that you can share, that you're comfortable sharing with us? Obviously, if, you're, if there are things that you don't want to share, that's fine. We don't want to make you uncomfortable. But what you're comfortable to share with us, let us know what you went through in your life and why you had that feeling of why me? Okay, thanks for asking. So um, I went through a very traumatic childhood, um, you know, from ages one to four. I was what, what, what would be a normal childhood was normal. I grew up in a house with a dad and a mom and two older sisters and a grandma and uncle and aunt. So we lived in an extended family. But I was the youngest out of uh, three girls. And uh, at age four, two of my family members not living in my household uh, started to molest me, and this went on from age four to uh, twelve, until when I was twelve, and I was watching Oprah one day, and we only got two channels in Kenya, and an American channel was one of them, and and when I was watching Oprah, I realized that what was happening was wrong because these things are never really discussed in an Indian Muslim household because we're raised very reserved, and sex or um, anything intimate is not even discussed on the media in Kenya back in the day. So when I was 12 is when I realized that what was happening was wrong and I started to keep a distance away from these people. And once they realized that I knew what was happening was wrong, they instilled a lot of fear in me. So I grew up with a lot of issues of fear and um, of of darkness of people. I gained like a, a learning disability and my body started to gain a lot of weight as a protection barrier for what had happened as, as, as from the trauma of being molested. As I grew up and went into my teenage years, I had no way of really processing this, the pain because at 12, I realized that what was happening was wrong and I couldn't tell anyone. And there was no way for me to try to figure out how to live with the shame and the guilt and the trauma that I had gone through because now I was, before as a child, I was being told, we're doing this to you because we love you. And now I was being told that if you tell somebody, you're going to get into a lot of trouble and it's going to be your fault. So I had no one to talk to and no way to express my pain. And the only way that I found healing for myself was to start to self-mutilate my body and um, I found some comfort in that because it was easier for me to understand and feel the pain or process the pain of an external wound rather than the pain inside me. I, I knew what physical pain felt like and I didn't know how to process whatever I was going through as a trauma as a, as a child. 
So um, as I grew into my teenage years, that was my survival mechanism of learning how to do that. And because of, you know, being overweight, I was also compared to my sisters. I was compared because they were skinny and I was overweight. And the standards of beauty in my culture are either you have to be skinny or you have to be light skinned. Those, those are the two determining factors of if one is beautiful or not. And um, I was also compared to them in school because since I was the youngest, I went to the same school my sisters went to. And they were all straight A students and I wasn't because I was an artistic child, not an academic child. And I also had learning disabilities. I couldn't focus and stuff. So my teachers also told me, your, your sisters were skinny, they were, you know, smart, you know, what happened to you? And my, fam- my, my cousins and aunts and uncles also told me the same thing. So I grew up with a self-esteem that was completely non-existent. When I was in my late teens, my, I was very close to my father. He, I guess from all of my sisters, I'm the most like him is what, what I'm told. And um, when I was about 16, I had like some scratches on my arm and uh, it was because, you know, I had hurt myself. And we had a lot of pets at that time. And so my dad asked me what happened. And I said, you know, the cat hurt me. And at that time, I realized that I can't continue to harm myself this way because if I get found out, then I'll get into trouble and they're going to ask me why I did that. And then I'm going to have to tell them what happened to me as a child. So I, I stopped I stopped doing that. But, you know, when I think about those wounds, I, it takes me back to the time that after I would harm myself and I would have to take a hot shower, the immense amount of pain and burning that I would feel on those wounds was was so traumatic and painful and it was it was all this pain that I had to endure on myself and there's so many parts of me that as I've gone through my healing I keep going back to that person and letting her know that I'm you know going to show up for her now but it took me a long time to get there at at 18 my father passed and um, you know that altered our life overnight we were we decided to move to the U.S. from Kenya because my grandparents lived here and um when I came here, I, I was told in Kenya that when you go to America, there's going to be so many people like you because, you know, uh, obesity is like accepted here and there's, you're going to have so many ways and stuff to lose weight and get to your right size body and this and that. And so I thought that I'm not accepted in Kenya and people don't make fun of me. But as soon as I got off the plane here, I was told that why did you gain all this weight? So I felt like my, my aunt here, my family's here, they told me, why did you gain all this weight? That was one of the first questions I was asked. And I felt like I came from a place of not being accepted and going to a place of not being accepted again. So my world kind of shut down. And to compensate for my physical appearance that was not accepted, I was just overly nice and giving to everybody. And I did everything for everyone else, which means I was accepted and I was liked because I depleted myself for all those around me. And that's what I was taught to do my whole life, that if you do this, then you will get from the world, which I was always left without, even though I did for everyone else. And I ended up uh, coming to the U.S. with my mom, my sister, and me, my sister who was not married. My two other older sisters were married. So it was the three of us. And my sister here, uh, she got married and she went to L.A. And I was here in Sacramento taking care of my mom for the next, for the for the last 20 years that we've been together. Um, and I went to college. I did a d- double major. I graduated. 
I graduated with a degree in design and photography, and um, I reached my highest weight when I was in college doing a double major at 350 pounds. And I couldn't get a job in my with my degree, so I did the right thing an Indian Muslim daughter is supposed to do, and I got a corporate job, and I worked at Apple for nine years, and I bought my mom a house, and, you know, we own a house together. And um, I never really took care of myself until I met uh, an amazing trainer when I worked at Apple, and she really helped me transform my life. She taught, she taught me that I could live for myself, that I could dream as big as I wanted to dream, that she believed in me being a complete stranger, and she said, I can say no, and giving up on myself is never, ever an option. So I really started to take care of myself and my body at that time. Although she told me that do it for you, I never completely grasped that op- that, that concept of do it, what do it for you means. Mm-hmm. And then I... And then I, you know, started losing weight and I started running and becoming an athlete and like boxing and doing half marathons. And in 2013, I did about 21 races. I was on wow. And uh, yeah, so at about 280 pounds, I did like two half marathons. And so, you know, I was really getting into myself, but I still had the the self-hate aspect. I was, I, I did it either for validation from her or really hating myself to just get the weight off. And I harmed my body in so many ways to get the weight off too. I did six hours of cardio one day and I would drink like, you know, bags and bags of diet tea that would make me sick and a plethora of things that I would do to just like, because the weight had a complete um, hold on me as to how I saw myself and how the world saw me because that was instilled in me as a child. Right. So it um, sounds like you were starting to, make some physical progress, but maybe there were still things in your mind that you needed to address. Correct. I I was doing all the physical work, but the heart and soul were not connected to my physical work. And um, then, you know, then life hit me and I'd I'd been through like five or six different surgeries, one on my arm, one on, um, you know, a gallbladder surgery. And then I had an injury on my back and my neck because of a car accident. And every time I started to go further in my weight loss journey, something traumatic would happen that would set me back. And I would be so angry because I just wanted to get the weight off. That was my main goal. And then one day life hit me in a very, very uh, crazy way. And I was at the end of 2015, I was diagnosed with uterine cancer. And that was my defining moment. That was my moment when I was sitting in bed one night and um, I had to have surgery within six weeks and I didn't know what stage my cancer was at. And I just sat there and I was in complete silence and I couldn't believe that this was something that was happening to me. I was going to lose the um, ability of having a child, which is something I always wanted. And I was going to have to have a hysterectomy, and they didn't know if I would need chemo or not or anything. And I just sat there in my bed that one night crying, and I heard this voice from inside my body crying and screaming and telling me, I've had enough, and I need you to stop, and I need you to love me. And at that moment, every physical aspect of my body didn't matter anymore. It didn't matter 
if there's a part of my body that was bigger than others, it didn't matter if I had cellulite, it didn't matter if I liked a certain part of my body more than another. I just knew that this was my body and I was going to love the hell out of it no matter how it was and I was going to show up for the person that was inside this body. I love it. So for, I love it. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. And I also at that moment was like, I haven't done anything in life. If I if I was to die today, I haven't done anything to show for my life. And I wanted to be a vehicle because my, my father, he always thought us that what, no matter what we do in life, you have to leave a space where you've helped people, where you've made a difference. Because he believed in helping people even before them asking for help. If you know somebody needs help, you just go and do your part and help them. And I felt like I had made no difference to anyone in the world. And so at that moment, I thought that if I, if I survive this and I'm going to get through it, that I'm going to use my art and my skills and my gift of empathy and connecting with people in inclusion with my artistic ability to create some kind of transformation and healing on this planet. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I told myself that that's what I'm going to do if I make it out of this. Beautiful, beautiful. And so that kind of what, I mean, that's a, that's a heavy um, history. I mean, there's a lot of emotional stuff that was back there. And I'm sure we could spend so much time discussing even more, but obviously you came to a point where you made, you, you accepted you, which is huge. We all need to get to that point where we accept who we are and what we've Mm -hmm. been given that way. What do you feel is your biggest, accomplishment like how have what's that biggest lesson or gift in your life or accomplishment that you have been able to take away from this because obviously at that point in time you you did a transformation in your own mind mm-hmm. in wanting right. to be of more service so what what would you say from then on was that biggest accomplishment or lesson for you yeah so for you know I've, I've thought about this so many times and people have asked me what do you think is your biggest accomplishment and I could say it's me losing 140 pounds because I began to love myself or work on myself, or it's me overcoming cancer or it's me overcoming molestation. But I feel that today, if I were to answer that question, my biggest accomplishment is breaking out of the prison that I created for myself my entire life. Wow. To to break out from that mold that I was, that I put around myself for culture, society, religion, you know, being a woman and all the things that I should do or I must do or because of my weight, I can't go do this, that or the other. Um, You know, I became, I'm a speaker now and like in my 350 pound body, I always told myself, you can't get in front of people because you can never be seen. And today, if I was still at that weight, I would break out. I, I Breaking out of that mold for me has been the most freeing experience. And it's not a prison or anything that anybody else put around me. It's what I put around myself. So that, Isn't that, would, be my biggest, that would be my biggest accomplishment is being another kind of me that I believe I can be. That's amazing. So now is that what you do through your speaking and through the work that you do, your, your creative work, is this some of what you help clients or you help your audience do is break out of their own self-imposed prison, if you will, or self-imposed limitations 
that do not need to be there. Is that part of what you do? That is part of what I do. And um, so so what I do, the, the name of, I can't say my project, so the name of my business or the tagline or the campaign for my business is called Transforming Adversity into Art. And what that means is I, there's so many amazing stories around us on a daily basis of people who have overcome so many different things to get to their state of power that they're in. And we often, we often celebrate the accomplishments that we have gotten as a part of that pain, but we don't celebrate the pain. And I believe that we become the piece of art that we are having endured all the pain that we have endured. So what mm-hmm. I do is I collect stories of people who have overcome adversity on the positive side. I interview them. I write their story. I recreate the story in still images with photography and makeup and locations and whatever their story is, I recreate it from childhood to whenever, whatever part of their story they want to tell. And then I take a picture of them in their power image, and then I make a painting of them in their power image to celebrate them as a piece of art that they have become. Usually this process takes about six to eight weeks of working with somebody, and during that time I also offer a coaching. Uh, so when from the time that we start working together until the time their painting is finished, they have also gone through a transformation with me. And they're going through a healing, and with each person, I am also healing. That so is absolutely a, a, beautiful. Thank you so much, Julie. Thank that is so just much. beautiful. Absolutely. I would love to continue this conversation even more. And as a matter of fact, I will be able to because we are going to have the opportunity to, um, you will have the opportunity if you live in the greater Sacramento area, to meet Nefshim. Uh, personally and hear more about her story when she speaks for the Women Entrepreneurs Extraordinaire Connections Over Coffee next week. Uh, We are just, we are about four minutes to wrap up the show for today. Uh, Actually, I think we have about six minutes. So let me just do this. I want to, it sounds like what you do is fascinating and it's beautiful. Tell people how they can get in touch with you. If they can't, I'll tell everybody more about next week's event in a minute, but first tell people how they, how they can connect with you. If they are at a place in their life, Nashim, where they want to uh, make this transition or tell their, have their story told through art the way you do, uh, how do they get in touch with you? What's the best way to do that? Okay. The best way to reach me is through my Facebook page, which is Nafshim Luhar. Um, and then you can reach me on Instagram and you can send me an email. Um, I can also leave my phone number. Is that okay to do that? On the uh, it, you, yeah, that's that's fine. That is entirely up to you if that's what you would would like to do. Keeping in mind that this this is an international audience, so if if you want, we can leave it on the show page, or you can leave it now. It's it's entirely up okay, to you. So, so I'll give you definitely my Facebook page, which is Nafshin Luhar. That's my personal page, but I you know I reach out to as many people on that page as possible. I'm most active there. I also have an Instagram page, which is Luhar Creative. That's L-U-H-A-R-Q-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. So it's the word creative spelled with a Q instead of a C. And my website is uh, luharcreative.com. And then Beautiful. my email address, sorry, my email address is nafsheen at luharcreative.com. That is beautiful. Okay, so we're going to have all of that in case you didn't get it all down. That's not a problem. 
all of that will be up on the show page. So you can, when you go to the show page for Women Entrepreneurs on the Women Entrepreneurs Podcast Network, and you look for the, the show today with Nefshim, and the title is Pain is Power, to hear her story, we will have all of those all of that contact information on the show page for you. So you'll just be able to do a direct link to be able to connect with her. And if you want to meet her in person, we would love to have you come join us again. If you are in the greater Sacramento area in Roseville at the um, time and space in old Roseville at 9am on February 4th from nine to 11, we with the women entrepreneurs extraordinary uh, group, we do a fun networking event where women entrepreneurs, of course, we gather together, we uh, network, we share each other's businesses, and then we always have a beautiful 30-minute speaker come in and share their wisdom. And on the 4th, it will be February 4th, it will be Nefshim. And I am so excited to hear her story and to get to meet her more. And I hope that you will be able to do that as well. The link on how all of the details about that event will also be on the show page. So you will be able to do to find us that way too. Well, Nafshim, I hate to say it, but we are out of time for this morning. Thank you. Or this, this afternoon. Thank you so much for sharing your story, that deep story. And uh, it's just amazing when we're able to hear of someone who has been through tragedy as you have and reinvent themselves or as you say break out of that mold that you created for yourself and become something so much more that we all have the ability to do so thank you very much for being authentic with us and and sharing that story and I look very much forward to meeting you in person next week thank you so much Julie I really appreciate your time and this opportunity and I am so grateful for it Oh, thank you. I am grateful for having your presence here. All right. So that wraps up the Women Entrepreneurs Show for today. Thank you so much for listening in. If you would like more information, again, about how to get with Nefshim, you can go to the show page or you can reach out to us at info, I-N-F-O, at womenentrepreneursextraordinaire.com. Remember, it is all plural, womenentrepreneursextraordinaire.com. So women and an S on entrepreneurs. You can also join our Facebook group. There's a link on the show page. It is uh, the Women Entrepreneurs Extraordinaire Facebook group, as well as you can like our page. You can join our group and share your wisdom and your business with all of us. We would love to do that. If you are interested in being a and having your story told, or sharing your business with us on the Women Entrepreneurs Podcast, then please, we would love to have you with us. Reach out, send us an email at info at Women Entrepreneurs Extraordinaire, or maybe you have someone absolutely wonderful that you would like for us to know. We would love to get to know them as well. So until next week, I hope you will just really, truly enjoy every moment and share the stories that we share here on Women Entrepreneurs Extraordinaire. And have an amazing week. Talk to you soon.